pastor was telling me he preaches over an hour every time. That's what. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. He didn't say that. All right, Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, and we'll go through this together. It says, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and, and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests for joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, and inasmuch as both in my bonds and in defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. If I had to title this message tonight, it would be Fellowship with the Gospel. Fellowship with the Gospel. I bet you can't guess where Paul was when he wrote this. He was in jail. You guessed it. Good job. He was in jail. Joy is used 16 times in this book. 16 times. The, the, uh, uh, the main word probably in this is joy, joyful. Uh, it's 16 times in this book. Jesus is mentioned 51 times out of 104 verses. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? Paul's main focus seemed to always be about Christ and always about the gospel. I'm thankful for the uh, testimony of Paul and what he focused on. I'm thankful for that. We're going to go through it together. Uh, verses 1 through 2, we see Paul's greeting. We see Paul's greeting. What does it say? It says, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ. So they were servants of Jesus. You know, this is the highest honor that we can ever attain to. It's not pastor. It's not deacon. It's not treasurer. It's not missionary. It's not anything else in life. It's not doctor. It's not lawyer. It's not any of those things. The greatest thing that we as Christians can be in our lives is simply a servant. Just a servant. That's what we are. We're, no, we're nothing special. Simply a servant to do what God would have us to do. They were servants of Jesus. It was written to save people, written to people that he loved and that he knew. We see that he said uh, in his greeting, verse number two, it says, Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm glad that both of those come through Jesus Christ. You know, I didn't deserve to be saved. I deserve to go to hell, and so did you. You heard my testimony, but I guarantee I'm probably not the only one with a like testimony of that here tonight. There's probably some others of you. But, I get, but if you don't have a testimony like mine, you're still as unworthy. Still as unworthy. Unworthy of His grace. Unworthy to have the peace that He offers to everyone who believes on Him. But yet He offers those things. Instead of judgment, we get grace. Instead of turmoil and wrath, we've received peace. That only comes through Jesus Christ. We see that in Paul's greeting. We see Paul's thankfulness, verses 3 through 6. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. He was thankful for their memory. How many people can you say that about tonight? That when you think of that person, you're thankful for them. You know, most of the time, we always go to the bad. When we think of someone, we think of the negative. We think of what they've done, what they've said. But Paul chose to think properly about them, chose to be thankful for their memory. But not only was he thankful for them, verse number four, in every prayer of mine, he prayed for them. He prayed for them. This is the true test of love for someone. If you truly love someone, you'll pray for them. If you love the members of the church, if you love your fellow Christians and fellow believers, you'll pray for them. 
And prayer is not a joke. It's something that we need to do. It's something that must be done. It's something not only for us, but also for others. He prayed for them. And he said he had joy in doing so. Joy in prayer. You know, many times we find it laborious. It, it, it's, so, it's hard work to pray and to be thankful and to think properly and to be joyful about others. But Paul said, I'm praying for you. I'm thankful for you. And I have joy in doing so. He was thankful not only for their memory, but he was thankful for their fellowship in the gospel. Verse number five. These people were faithful to Christ and his cause. They were faithful to getting the gospel around the world. We see how they were faithful in chapter 4. Paul says, no one, uh, uh, no one gave to me in my need except for you all. He said, you guys gave to me, you supported me, you helped me be, to be able to further the gospel. And he was thankful for them, as I'm thankful for you tonight. Because th th that testimony that's up there, that's not a testimony to me, that's a testimony to you. That's fruit for your, uh, uh, to your account. Because you have given the missions. God has worked on the other side of the world because you have given. And I'm thankful for that. As Paul was thankful for the Philippian believers as they gave to him, I'm thankful for you here at Calvary Chapel who have given to our ministry and given to us. He was thankful that God was working in their lives. Verse number 6. I love this verse. He says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He was thankful that God was working in their lives. Is God working in your life? If you're in this book right here, God's working in you. God's working in you. Through good times, through bad times, through trials, through tribulations, through suffering, God is working in each and every one of His children's lives. He's working in us. The confidence is in God. I'm thankful that I didn't have to make myself better that I didn't have to make myself do all these things and follow all these rules. God was working in my life. He changed my life and He's changed yours. And He's working in you. The confidence is in God, in the abilities of God. You know, it's easy to, it's easy to try to do things our own way. It's easy to try to do things in our own power. You know, I told you I'm hard-headed. So you know what that means. That, that, that means that I've messed up a lot too. And that I've fallen on my face that, well, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do this. Instead of praying, instead of trusting God, instead of being confident in the things of God, I've tried to push, push, and push. And then you fall, we fall on our face. We can be confident in His abilities. They're powerful. God can do whatever He wants to do. We understand that, right? But do we believe it? Do we believe it? Do we truly believe that God can do all things? I love this end part. He says, uh, it says, he began a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. What he starts, he finishes. He's molding you, he's making you, and he wants you to become more like him, and he will accomplish it in your life. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that God, that little children's song, he's still working on me. I'm glad that he is. It's a deep truth right there. I'm glad that he is continually working in our lives. Verses 7 through 8, we see Paul's heart. We see his heart. He says, even it is meet for me to think this of you all because I have you in my heart. Church people were his heart. That was his heart. That's who he cared about. That's who he loved. That's why he ministered for. 
That's why he gave his life. That's why he was in jail. It was because of the people that he loved and that God loved. Church people were his heart. They were partakers of grace. If someone, it, it, brothers and sisters in the faith should be some of our favorite people in the world. You know, churches we go through, even in my church, all right, in India, it's very young. The, the, uh, the, the Christians are very young Christians, but yet they still want to fight with each other. It's so, it, it drives me crazy, to be honest with you, because we're supposed to love one another. We're working toward the same purpose, to share the gospel, to get the gospel around the world, but yet we, Satan keeps us at odds with each other, keeps us fighting with each other. If we are of the household of faith, we should be some of the most favorite people in the world. There should be people we want to hang out with because they're partakers of grace. They were partakers of grace. They were partakers of the suffering. You look at the end of chapter number one, they were going through suffering, going through trials, and he said, hey, this is a part of being a Christian. This is not because you've done something bad or because of who you are or because what your uh, family is. He says, this is because you're Christian. Suffering happens. Tribulations happen. So they were, they were partakers of the suffering, but they were also partakers in giving as well. He greatly loved them, and he wanted to be with them. He wanted to spend time with them. Man, I would pray that we could be that way, that we want, could want to spend time with each other because we encourage each other, not bringing each other down, but exhorting one another and helping each other. By way of application, I got three things. Number one, you need to make a decision to think positively about others. Make a decision. You don't need to pray about this. This is not something you need to bring before and hash it out with your wife or uh, with your family members. This is something you need to decide to do right now, that you are going to think positively about people, not negative. You're not going to think negative. Paul said, when I remember, he says, I'm thankful for my remembrance of you. He chose to think positively. Very simply, I wrote, this is up to you. This is not up to anyone else. This is not up to the weather. This is not up to whether this person does something to me, whether they talk about me. You can decide to think positively about that person. People ask us all the time, uh, how, are you happy in India? Are you happy there? I said, happiness is a choice. You can be unhappy anywhere in the world. You can be unhappy living in your hometown, making the six figures. You can still be unhappy. It's a choice. I said, we just choose to be happy. We just choose to enjoy it. We should choose to think positively about other people. Paul had an attitude of a servant, not a master. That's our problem. We think we deserve respect. We think we deserve this. We deserve that. When we don't deserve anything, what do servants get to do? Do they get to choose to do anything? You can read Luke chapter 17 if you want. At the end of the day, we're all just unworthy servants. That's all that we are. Paul meant, he, he chose to think nicely about these people. Make a decision to think positively about others. Number two, how are we sharing the burden of the gospel? I couldn't help but notice that you guys are going to have visitation this Saturday, 10 o'clock. You know, this is not just pastor's responsibility. It's not, I tell my church people the same. Okay, this, it's not just my job to build this church. It's not just your pastor's job to build a church, to bring people in. It's all of our jobs. 
Every single one of us in here. We should invite someone. We should be uh, uh, sharing the burden of the gospel. That's what these people did. This is why Paul was thankful for them. He says, you have shared this burden with me. As I am laboring here, as I, even as I labor in jail, you are also laboring in your church and your neighborhoods and where you work and where you live. How are we getting involved, getting the gospel around the world? If you're not saved, you better get saved. That's the first step you can do. You've got to get saved. Number two, you've got to give yourself. You've got to give yourself. I don't know if you've ever heard of a missionary, Dan Truax. Um, he was a great missionary, went to Africa, uh, huge man. He was probably six foot six, 350 pounds, huge man. He used to sing as loud as he could sing, but he loved missions. He loved missions. He said, you know, you should let lost people just be the doctors. You should let lost people be the lawyers. Let the lost people do the jobs around because it's our job to get the gospel around the world. This is everyone's job, not just mine, not just pastors, not just uh, the deacons. This is everyone's job. People aren't going to go to heaven without this book right here. That's right. And if we don't give it, who is? I don't live in Minster. All right? You, you may not either. You may, you may live in another city around here. I don't live there either. I don't know your family. I don't know your friends. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know anybody around here. But you do. I can't give them this book. I can't give them the book. I can't give them the gospel. But you can. And it's, it's our responsibility to do that. Only the Bible can change people's lives. Only Jesus can save. Number three, God is working in your life. Very simply, I wrote down here, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm very simple. I'm a simple man. This is what I wrote down. Let him. Let him. Let God do what he wants to in your life. Let him do it. Let him work. Let him work through his word. Let him have his way in your life. Stop holding back. We as human beings are very selfish people. From this man down, we're very selfish people. But you can't be selfish and let God work in your life. It don't work that way. It's either God's will or no will at all. God's either first or he's not at all. We've got to stop being selfish. We've got to give our life to him. God has a plan for your life. Are you doing what God wants you to do? Seriously. Are we doing what God wants us to do with our life? I told pastor, my dad was a pastor 25 years. He was uh, 66 years old when he said, I'm not going to be a pastor anymore. I'm going to go to India and help you, Jim, and be a missionary. He resigned his church. He gave up that salary, gave up all that, and said, I'm going to go on deputation. I'm going to raise money to be a missionary, 66 years old. So if you got excuses, I'll, you know, I've heard them. <laughs> you can do it too. What does God want? That's the biggest, one of the main things I respect about my dad. He's always learning. He's never too old to say, you know, that's right. He's, he's always reading, always learning. But the main thing is he always wants to do what God wants him to do no matter his age, no matter what's going on. He wants you to grow, and God wants you to know more about him. He wants you to get in this book. He wants you to be in discipleship. He wants you to be in a Bible study. He wants you to start a Bible study. He wants you to share it in your house with your family and your friends. Bring them over once a month and say, hey, this is what God's Word says. He wants you to be involved in those things. He's concerned with you. Isn't that amazing? 
that we who are nothing and nobodies, that the God of heaven actually cares about you and me? Isn't that amazing? It's amazing that he loves us. Man, we failed him today, haven't we? We all have. But guess what? He still loves you. Never once he said, well, well, there's, there's old Jim. Well, he failed me again. I'm done with him. Just to throw him away. I'm done. That's not what he does. God never does that. He said, oh, no, Jim, I still love you, Jim. I still got plans for you. I still got work for you. I, st- I-, I still got more to show you. I still got more to do with you in your life. He loves you. You don't need to be afraid of what God can do for you or do with you. I'm sorry. You don't need to be afraid of what God can do with you. You simply just need to give yourself to him. 